Now it's time to get into the Word of God. Amen? The Lord put a message on my heart to share. And the name of the message is Freedom. Freedom. We're continuing in Paul's letter to the Colossians. We're in chapter 2. We're looking at verses 13 through 18. So Colossians 2, verses 13 through 18. I'm going to read it and pray. And there's there's our dear brother on the screen yelling, Freedom! Thank you, James. (laughs) Okay, Colossians 2. uh, Wow. I gave you the wrong verses. It's verses 18 to 23. Verses 18 to 23. Oh, that's right up there. Okay. Don't mind me. Verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, And not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations like don't touch, don't taste, don't handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and the neglect or the harm to the body that are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Dear Father, Lord, as I read this passage, I'm, I'm challenged to get all I can out of it, and then to to preach on it and to give it to the congregation. I pray for your help. Holy Spirit, come work in me, through me, anoint my lips that I may say the things of God clearly and precisely. Let there be a sense of receiving on the other end, a sense of uh, the challenge and the conviction and the joy of knowing what your word really says and how that applies to our lives. So Lord, speak through your word today. We surrender this time for you to do that. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we are continuing with this series. Uh, Last week we talked on the subject of going deeper with God. That was verses 11 to 17. This week we're talking about freedom. And if you just kind of flow with me here in chapter 2, look at a couple of verses. This whole chapter is about freedom. In verse number four, he's talking about freedom from uh, 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 of uh, deception, the freedom of words that would deceive you. Verse number eight, he's talking about freedom of the philosophy and worldly principles. Verse number 13, he's talking about the freedom from sin. Verse 15, he's talking about freedom from demonic strongholds. In verses 18 and 19 now, he's talking about uh, freedom from false People, false uh, humility, false doctrines like worshiping angels. And verses 20 and 23, uh, freedom from man's doctrines. And that word freedom is very important for us. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul wrote, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Anyone ever hear that before? There's many songs with that phrase in it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus wrote in John 8, 36, if, if, uh, Therefore, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. I mean, my, my challenge is for myself is to, I mean, I know it in my mind. You know what I mean? I, I know it in my mind. I want to get it in my spirit, and I want to actually live it out in real life. That's the freedom we're talking about. Freedom to live properly in thought, word, and deed. Freedom to navigate life with honesty and with clear thinking. A freedom to develop into the stature of the person that God created us to be. Many Christians are living underneath that potential that God gave us in the first place. It's a freedom to fulfill our potential as a human being. 
Hallelujah. So the sermon titles for the last several weeks are things like making progress, complete, deeper, and now we're talking about freedom. And I want to share this with you. Being liberated from sin. Come on. From addictions. From fear. From anxiety. This is our goal. This is the Lord's goal for his people. To be liberated so that we could be used by him. I mean, I, I, you know, you probably heard me say this, but when I first got saved, I really thought it was all about me just getting fixed and getting better. And it was about that. But after a couple of years, I realized it, it wasn't only about me. It was how God was going to now use me in other areas. So, yeah, he fixes us so that he could use us. So, again, we're going to go verse by verse. And then uh, we're going to I'm going to give you four points to consider if you really, really, really want to live in freedom. Because you know what? You have to want to do this. If you don't want to, guess what? You don't have to. But here's the standard God has for us. And most of us are down here somewhere. And so today I want to try to lift us up so that we can all get to our potential. A couple of things to talk about. Anyway, verse number 18, I want to start right there. There's that word cheat again. Remember a few weeks ago? We saw it in verse number 8. Let no one cheat, uh, cheat you in verse number 8 uh, regarding the philosophies of the world. It robs your peace. It robs your position in Christ. He's repeating the same phrase. Let no one cheat you. Here he's talking about, he's talking about people that have a false humility and give a false doctrine. In this case, verse number 18, he's talking about they're worshiping angels for goodness sakes. What? It sounds like new age to me that kind of filtered into the church. But don't let someone cheat you or defraud you or beguile you or trick you or deceive you and, and take that reward from you. Well, what reward? Well, a lot of rewards. It could be, you know, it could be our peace with God. It could be our blessing, our hope in Christ, our security. It could be the not reaching our potential. But ultimately, it's about reaching glory, reaching heaven. I have to tell you, yesterday, we had a beautiful memorial service for, for Glenn Hawks. And I'm not sure about his family. A small number of people were there. I was so happy to say to them, based on your father or your grandfather or whatever, whatever he was to you, his, based upon his faith, I can tell you, he is in heaven right now. He knew the ticket. The ticket is the blood of Jesus. And if you want to see him again, you've got to get covered by the blood of Jesus. And it was very warmly received, I want you to know. But see, this is the reward. So let no one cheat you of your reward. Great consequences here. I think Paul, as he has in other places, he's using the analogy of a, a sporting event. The uh, Isthmian Games or the Olympic Games. Uh, cheating, rewards. He talks about crowns. Let no one steal. You know, you're in a, you're in a, you're a race. You're in, a, you're in a, a battle. Let no one steal or cheat the reward that God has for you. So he says in verse number 18, don't let yourself get robbed. And this is where it gets a little touchy. Now it gets personal. <laughs> Those dear Colossians. But they represent all of us in a way. Don't let people rob you. But the people are, sorry to say, they're in the church. Don't let people in the church they're saying things and doing things and giving you things to think about that are detrimental to your faith. Oh, my goodness. In church, they have a false humility and a false doctrine. I wonder if you've ever seen people like that. Oh, don't raise your hand. Yeah, that weren't over. No, don't say that. I have. I have. And people will come to me in all the humility in the world and tell me things that are way out in left field. And everything's going good until I say, yeah, but wait a minute. Then it gets a little ugly. The false humility goes right out the window is what happens. But anyway, uh, th these are like, I would say, like they're like, uh, like in verse 18, they're like wolves in sheep's clothing. You ever hear that phrase? They come in like innocent and humble, but they have a message that is not from God. I call them snakes, actually. They slither around and they try to deceive and disrupt what God is doing. So they're, they're, and then it goes on in verse 18. These people, they intrude into the things which he's not even seen. Now that's, 
important to get because, and I've seen people like this, unfortunately. They're saying things that they think they've got from God. They've never seen it or heard it from God. It's from their own hurt or their own pain or their own thing. And they're making it sound like it's from God. And the spirit in me is saying, no, that's not from God. Sorry, folks. I mean, there's got to be some, <laughs> some accountability here. And when, when you say that, and you say it as nicely as you can, and if it's received, hallelujah, you have a brother or a sister for life. If it's not received, you, you know, you have a problem. But the problem's not mine, it's on the other side. So they try to deceive good people, Look, intruding into those things which he has not seen. They're either self-deceived or they're flat out lying about something. But they've not heard from God. They pretend they've heard from God. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. That's, verse 18 is a very powerful and deep scripture. And that few words of that one verse, Paul is saying to this church, you know what? Everyone is not what they seem to be. You know, people will say things and give you things to think about or even how to worship God or worshiping angels in a church. And they're falsely, you know, puffed up or they're, they're proud. And uh, Paul is saying, no, no, don't, don't be cheated Don't be robbed of your position in Christ because of people like that. Many years ago, I may have told you this, but uh, we were attending a church in Connecticut, and uh, we were saved for about five years. And there was a guy there that was kind of a nice guy, I thought. But he asked me and some people in the church to join him on his, I think it was a Wednesday night Bible study or whatever. It was the same time that the church had their Bible study. And the story goes something like he told me, just don't tell anybody. When he said that, I got a little, like, little, like, what do you mean? Like, and I realized what he was doing was he was trying to, it was called sheep stealing. He wasn't a bad guy, but he had the wrong motive. If he wants to start a church, man, go start a church. There's millions of people that need Jesus. Don't take them from the church. I was just a member of the church. I wasn't in the ministry at that point, but I realized this guy's sneaky. He doesn't want me to tell the pastor. So I told the pastor. The pastor said, stay away from that guy. I said, no problem. No problem. I know the value of a pastor. I've had some great ones in my life. So, okay, so, so verse 18, verse 19, you know, they're, they're, they're holding fast to these false prophets or uh, false people, false humility, faulty doctrine. They're not holding on in verse 19, they're not holding fast to the head. Anyone knows, knows who the head is? The head is Jesus. He's the head of the church. They're not holding fast to Jesus. If they were holding fast to Jesus, verse 18 wouldn't be there. But obviously they weren't holding fast to Jesus. They were looking for other things. But it's Jesus, just to paraphrase verse 19, it's Jesus uh, from whom the body of Christ grows and is nourished and is knit together, every joint and ligament, not literally, but figuratively, as in 1 Corinthians uh, 12. The body of Christ is like a head, a hand, an ear, etc. All working together, but it's Christ that gives it the power and the anointing. They're not holding on to that. They're holding on to their own thing. And can you see the problem with that? And that, unfortunately, that happens today many times. In many places. That's why on, a, on another note, I'm so happy to be a part of the Assemblies of God. Is the Assemblies of God perfect? No, it's not perfect. But I have a covering. I have doctrine that we all believe in. It's tested and proven for the last 100 years. I'm good with all that. I'm not, I'm not a lone ranger, as they would say. Anyway, on a side note, if anyone... If we're looking at verses 18 and 19, if anyone has a word for you and they whisper it in your ear, please talk to me about it. I'm open to confirm it, to validate it. I'm also open to say, no way. And why is he doing that secretly anyway? So verse number verse number 19, holding fast to angel, angel worship and uh, whatever. Jesus is the center, not the angels. Verse 20, th- this verse just jumps out at me. I feel like this is, this is like something that we would say. 
I'll paraphrase it. If you died with Christ in the basic things of the world, why in the world are you hanging on to things that are not of God? I mean, maybe Paul would be a little bit more diplomatic. I'm not sure. He might say, what's the matter with you? You're dead to Christ. You're dead to yourself. You're living for Christ. Why in the world would you allow these other things to get into your life, into your mind, into your spirit? So going back, if you look at verses 11 and 12, we talked about it last week. We've been circumcised with Christ. We've been buried with Christ. We're risen with Christ. So what he's saying is, why then would you go back, in verse 20, uh, why would you... uh, uh, why would you go back to like you're living in the world? And why do you subject yourself to regulations? Now, ver- verse 18 talks about the philosophies of the world. Verse 16 talks about the regulations of the Jewish feast, etc. In verse 21, uh, he just gives you this little idea like don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. Uh, these are just things that people would do. They were the laws of men. Uh, regarding the, the customs and the, and the traditions. In verse 22, he says, All these things perish when you use them according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Don't you know that they're not of any value? I think what was happening was the Jewish Christians were telling the Gentile Christians and maybe some other Jewish Christians that they need to hold on to the things of the law in order to be a Christian. And Paul and others were saying, no, we're free in Christ. We don't need all of that. So then, uh, verse 23, he says, in doing this, um, and they appear to be okay, but they have no value. This self-imposed religion, false humility, the neglect of the body, that phrase is a little bit complex. It depends on your translation. But in, in in my mind's eye, I remember watching a documentary on some, some of the Islam uh, believers. I don't know if they were sheiks. I forget what they were. But there were, seemed to be like hundreds and hundreds of these people kneeling down and had a whip in their hand, and they were flagellating themselves as a sense of cleansing and purging. I think that's what that's in reference to. They were hurting their bodies as a, as a means of getting right with God. But Paul would say, Jesus did all that on the cross. You don't need to do that. You don't need to hurt your body. You need to protect your body and make it holy, make it a good temple where the Holy Spirit lives. So they were doing these things, but they had no value and um, no value against the flesh. And then, then I think, well, what gives us value against the flesh? I mean, everybody I know is dealing with flesh issues. Isn't that the main thing? We're all dealing with fleshly issues. Like it's our pride, our our lust, our whatever, our, our desires, whatever. But what if that doesn't help, what will help? Well, you know, it, it's not going to come from man-made laws and adding things to the gospel. Isn't the gospel enough, by the way? Amen. It is enough. The gospel is enough. And what he's saying is, don't add to the gospel. You know, Jesus, throughout the gospels and the epistles, a broken heart is what draws the presence of God. A contrite spirit draws the presence of God and the strength of God. He says that the Lord resists the proud, but he draws near to the humble. So what will help in our verse number 23? What will help against the indulgence of the flesh? Surrendering to God. Getting all you can get out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1 says it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. The gospel is loaded with power and anointing. And in the gospel is that little part that says he will give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. So in the gospel is the promise of the Holy Spirit to rise above the issues of life. This is where freedom comes from. Luke 18 talks about a parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. just want to talk about this for a second. We're talking about freedom. The Pharisee was praying, and he said, Oh, Lord God, I thank you I'm not like uh, 
the unjust. I'm not like the ungodly. I'm not an adulterer. Uh, I, I thank you, Lord, that, that I, I, I'm not an extortioner. I thank you, Lord, I'm not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I tithe on everything I have. And what he's saying is, Lord, look how good I am. I think the Lord's face just went like this. <laughs> and the tax collector standing there, he's hitting his breast like this. You ever see someone? The head down, can't even look up. Lord God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, which one you think left being edified? It's the tax collector, the lowly tax collector. He said, if you exalt yourself, you're going to get humbled. But if you humble yourself, you're going to get exalted. And that's the principle, what, what the Lord... What the Lord is saying through this passage, that there will be people in our midst, unfortunately. I always say this. I've said it many times. The church, the church is like, you know, the pillar and foundation of the truth, according to Timothy, when Paul wrote Timothy. But in that setting, there are all sorts of, uh, Jesus talked about the parable of the dragnet. In the net, there's good and bad fish. Well, in the, in the church, there's, guess what? There's good and bad fish. Not that we're fish, but you know what I mean. And some gets thrown out. But, but he said, don't throw it out. Let them all be together. We'll separate them later. But in the, in the context of the church, there are those that will come in with a false humility, with a false doctrine, with adding things to the gospel. And Paul's telling the church, no, you don't need that. Don't be cheated by that. The gospel is definitely enough. Enough. So let me, give you, let me give you four things to think about. If you want to live in freedom, or to live in freedom, you would have to do these things based on this passage of Scripture. Let me just reiterate that Jesus said, if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. Paul reiterated that later, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So it's not like, you know, we, ha- we can't earn our freedom. It's like it's already here. No, God has provided for us. But I wonder how many of us are living in it. You know, it's like, it's like salvation in a sense. You know, salvation is a gift. You get a gift at Christmas time or whatever. I don't know about you. I rip into that thing as soon as I can. I want to see what's in the, in the box, you know. I want my gift. I want my present. But some people take the gift of salvation and they never really open it. They take the gift of freedom and, oh yeah, I'm free in Christ, but they're bound by so many things. And I say that because I've been there myself in my life. Oh, I'm a, I worship God, but there were pockets of my life, either unsurrendered or unconsecrated. Something was going on when I knew there were things that were not, I was not free in. Now, that won't rob your salvation, but it'll keep you from where you should be in your walk with God and in your ministry to the church of God. Are you with me, church? So a couple of things here before I give you the number one. (laughs) We have a responsibility to do something with our salvation. Look, you'll never get rid of porn if you're watching R-rated movies with nudity in it. Won't happen. You'll never get free of alcohol if you go to the bar or the club or somebody's house or whatever that's serving alcohol. You'll never get free of your temper tantrums unless you deal with the issues that you have. See, we have to learn our trigger points, change our thinking. Romans 12 tells us, be, uh, don't be conformed to this world. Be renewed by the, uh, by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the more I study the Bible, a lot has to do with our mind. We always think, oh, it's the, it is the spirit, but sometimes the spirit's saved, but the mind is way out in left field. If we died, we go to heaven, but we never reach our potential. Did you get that? It's true. Our spiritually, we're saved, but our mind is way, well, it's gone. 
<laughs> Got to get that in. So let me give you these things. I won't preach too long here. The first one, you'll never guess what the first one is. Don't get cheated. <laughs> Don't get cheated. In the context, as I said, this is in a church setting where people will tell you strange things as though the revelation of the gospel is not enough. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in this case, they're talking about worshiping angels. That definitely sounds new age-ish to me. We don't worship angels. Jesus is the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of all the angels. In verse 15, he defeated the fallen angels anyway. We don't worship angels. We worship the Lord of the angels. But what I'm saying is, in a church setting, someone may say something that confuses you. It may be a new age doctrine that seeps in. It may be astrology. It may be some Wiccan type of thing. It may be someone that comes from a a background of the New World Translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses. It sounds great, but it's not true. It may be the Book of Mormon that seeps its way in. The Church of Latter-day Saints. All under the guise of spirituality. I would encourage you, if you don't know our doctrine, go to our website, newlifechristianag.com. Go into the section that says what we believe and look at the 16 fundamental truths. That's where we are. And we, I, we stand on that. That's what we believe. There's no secret what we believe. But in a church, I, I alluded to this before, in a church setting, someone may come up to you and say they have a word from God for you. And I, I would first question that. When I study 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, it's the explanation of the spiritual gifts and their use in a public worship situation. It's not done privately. When it's done privately, it makes me get a little bit like, why is it privately? So if you have something, someone says something, or if you feel like you have something for somebody, it's okay to run it by me or a leader in the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, it says this, Let two or three prophets speak, and let all the others judge. Judge to see if it's valid or not, if it bears witness or not. If it doesn't, that person needs to sit down and receive the correction. In my experience, it usually goes well, but every now and then someone gets really upset. But that comes with the territory of being a pastor. 1 Corinthians 14, 32 says... The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So if anyone says anything, it's got to bear witness with the others. And the next verse says, the Lord is not the author of confusion. And I'll tell you what, I've had people in this church some years ago that were very confused by things that someone whispered in their ear that were not from God. And we had to work on undoing some damage. I'm just telling you, don't get cheated Don't allow that to happen. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says that Jesus himself has given to the church apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. It's the mantle of the pastor to watch over the church. And and when I say that, I, I know, I don't know if I sound like outdated or it's unpopular anymore, but I still believe it to be true because I see it in the word of God. A lot of churches have a different feeling or a different relationship with their pastor. I am definitely old school when it comes to that. I want relationship with the people that I'm pastoring. I desire that. I'm called for that. And amen. When when I know people are like, if I approach and and like mentally or philosophically, they're walking backwards. And I'm, I'm walking toward them, and they're walking backwards. And we don't connect. I think, I think there might be a little problem here. Not sure what it is, but I don't know. Something's going on that's not right. So, I don't know. Don't get cheated, defrauded. Pastors are your friends. <laughs> we safeguard the church. We teach, we protect, we shepherd. We, we guide. We hear from God. You know how, how, you must know how I am. I'm probably usually overprepared, but I pray every Sunday for something good to happen in church, for you to get something that will make you victorious throughout, through the week. What am I doing? What else would I be doing this for? It's to equip 
the body of Christ. So I appreciate you coming to hear. Don't let... I'm sorry. John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, rob, destroy, but Jesus has come to give life and give it abundantly. Don't let the enemy, don't let bad intention people rob your joy and your position in Christ. Here's number two, number two, verse 19. Hold on to Jesus. Don't hold on to worshiping angels or anything else. Don't even hold on to worshiping worship. Hello. Some people do that. They're so into, and I, I, I'm a worshiper, but we worship God through our worship. We don't worship worship. Hold on. The, the theme of holding on, if you've been able to watch our Thursday talks, is, has been Ella's, my granddaughter's theme for the last couple of weeks. Hold on to Christ through good and bad, healthy, sick, whether you're on a mountaintop or a valley, whether you've got smooth sailing or rough waters, know and appreciate it's all about Jesus guiding you through life. And this is where sometimes it gets a little touchy, but it does relate to what I'm talking about. In verse 18 and 19, if, if you hear, and you will hear, you turn on Christian TV, you're going to hear it. You should never have a problem. Everybody should be healed. Everyone should be not a millionaire, but you should have money in the bank. I don't know, church. I don't know, church. I do a lot of funerals. I pray for a lot of sick people. I've seen mirror. That little boy, Raphael, has been healed miraculously. Praise God. I, I love that. I love that. But what I'm saying is, look, we have to hold on to Jesus regardless of what happens. I don't know if you have, no one ever told you, we live in a fallen world. We're not in utopia yet. Utopia is not going to come until Jesus you know, takes us home. But you know, we live in a situation where Jesus said it himself, there will be tribulations. There will be trials. And oh, how the Lord turns that around to say those trials will make you get stronger in your faith. I think the psalmist, oh, I don't know if I have time, but let me read it. The psalmist said it best. Hear my, Psalm 61, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. Sometimes we feel like we're the last one standing. We're all the way at the end of the earth, all alone. But you know what? I'm going to cry out to God. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. Psalm 63 says this, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I look for you in the sanctuary. Dry, thirsty, no life, no hope, nothing happening. Let me get into church and seek God. He'll bless me. He'll take care of me. The answer is hanging on to Jesus when all hell breaks loose around you, it's Jesus that's going to see you through. Absolutely. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily uh, entangles us. Let us run this race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him despised the shame and now sits at the right hand of the glory of God. It's all about Jesus. So verse number 19, to live in that freedom. You know, we can't, we can't, we can't allow false prophets or false humility type people or weird doctrines to seep into our, our spirit, into our mind. We have to... We have to celebrate the risen Christ, and that is enough. You know, last night I looked out the window. Uh, I saw, I don't know how many people. There must have been 20, 25 people all walking along the sidewalk, going trick-or-treating. And I just thought, I, I felt sad. I just felt like God, you know, the Lord, Jesus never celebrated the dark. He celebrated the light. And so hang on to Jesus. Don't celebrate darkness or evil or sin. Don't celebrate unrighteousness or unholiness. Even, 
Even in the relationship realm, in in the sexual realm, don't celebrate the darkness that's in the world or the philosophy of the world. Grab hold and never let go of Jesus. Here's number three. I want want to go rather quickly. Verse number three is on the screen. Everyone read it. If you died with Christ, come on. Stay dead. What are you doing? My, my former pastor, he said whenever ever he baptized people, he would tell them, I'm going to make sure all of you is down there. No hands sticking up, no ears sticking up, no feet. All of you is dying. Never forget that. Symbolic, thank the Lord. But if you died with Christ, stay dead. The only, reason, the only way you'll live for Christ is by being dead to yourself. Then you'll live for Christ. Uh, that verse 20, you know, why? Why are you acting? Why are you thinking like you have to add something to your salvation? Uh, and by the way, if you need to get baptized, let me know. I'd love to dunk you in the water. <laughs> but I remember my water baptism. I remember so well. I, it was a great moment for me. It, it, it's, uh, it's special. And if ever I, I sense my flesh rising up, I think back, wait a minute, I died to all this stuff. I used to live in all that stuff. Now I died to that. Keep, keep your flesh crucified. Uh, we won't go into it, but Romans chapter 6 is a great passage about being dead in Christ and yet being alive in Christ. And how because of that, sin no longer has dominion over you. Because you're dead, but you're living for Christ. If you've got no, you know the phrase, uh, you know, don't play with matches, but don't play with fire. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. In the spiritual sense, if you play around with sin, you know, the scripture says it's enjoyable for a season. It'll come back and destroy your life. If you're dead to, to, to that, don't play with it. You hear what I'm saying? There should be a, a thing that goes like a whistle. Something goes off in your in your head. No, I got delivered of that. I'm not going there, but I want it. No, 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 no. You know, something. See, if you've got an anger situation, if you've got an anger problem, you got to get a handle on that. God delivered you. Maybe you still have an anger problem. Bring that to Jesus. Find out why. You know, talk about it with someone, but let the Lord come into that area of your life. You got a lust problem? Man, surrender that to Jesus. That, that issue alone has kept so many people bound up. They should be living here, and they're living over here because they can't get over that. I'm telling you, there's freedom from that through Jesus Christ. Don't go back to, if you died to that when you first came to the Lord, don't resurrect that part of you. If lying is an issue you got to know that's not from our Heavenly Father. That's a sign of the enemy. That's a, he's the father of lies. If you got a pride issue, well, I always say pride is a mark of Satan. That's the whole problem in the first place. How he rebelled in the heavenlies, wanted to be equal to God. So if you died with Christ, keep your flesh crucified with Christ. It's only then that you will live. Here's the last one. Number four is this, number, verse number 23. you got to learn how to discern. You ever hear that phrase? Learn to discern. Everything you hear is not great. All that glitters is not gold. Everything you hear in church or outside of church or on the Internet or through these other people that have national or international platforms, a lot of what they say does not line up with Scripture. You have to discern what's going on. You know, he was saying in verse 23, all these things are happening, but they have no value, no, no, no power in your battle against the flesh. Well, what good is it? It's no good. It might look like it's good, but it has no purpose. So learn to discern. Just to wrap it up here, the freedom that we have has been purchased on Calvary. We probably don't even know it. Maybe I didn't know it at the time. When I accepted Christ in my life, all I know is I felt a whole lot better. But I didn't realize everything that was associated with that. I learned. And and I'm still learning. 
But what he did on that cross is absolutely fantastic. He died so that we could live. We put our faith and trust in him. Hallelujah. The old man is definitely crucified. The new man is living for the Lord. Our struggle is to maintain that relationship with God. Thus, things like church. You ever hear pastors? They're always telling you, go to church. Pray. Read your Bible. Every pastor I know, go to church. Read your Bible. Pray. Have fellowship. Every pastor is the same way. Why? The, the point is to help you make it to the finish line. That's the point. That's why we say what we say. (laughs) It's all for good. Amen. So, to live in freedom, don't get cheated. Hold fast to Jesus. Stay dead and learn to discern. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's stand together, can we? Okay, we're going to have a little bit of a prayer time in a minute, but... John 8, 36, therefore, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Say it with me. Therefore, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. One more time. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. Every head bowed. This has been a, uh, I mean, I love this sermon. I love this passage. I love talking about freedom. I didn't always live in freedom, but praise God, I'm living in freedom today. And I want to give somebody an opportunity. You, first of all, you've never even accepted Christ into your life. As we said last week, you've been around the cross. You've never gotten on the cross. You've been around the things of God, but you've never really gotten into what's happening and never allowed Jesus to come in to forgive you of your sins. Or maybe you did it at some point, but it wasn't genuine. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Secondly, there may be some of you that you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know you have potential and you know you're not there. And you need God's help or maybe the church's help to get you there. It's going to take humility to do that and desire to do that. And then thirdly, there's probably, for every one of us, there's someone in our families that we're praying that they would have freedom. They're so bound up in the thinking of the world, they can't find Jesus. They're too bound up with the philosophies of the world. And we're praying for them to get free. So as I pray, if you want to come forward, if you need to receive Jesus or to have special prayer, please come as I pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this word today. Freedom. Freedom. Lord, it seems all we need to do is receive it and and do these things that we're talking about. But Lord, thank you for purchasing our freedom on that cross. And validating that when you rose from the dead. And further validating that when you ascended into glory. And further validating that with a promise that you're coming back again. Lord, help us to be free to enjoy all that the word of God says about you and about us. So, Father, if there's anyone here today that needs to receive you as Lord and Savior, may your Holy Spirit come right now. And give them the, uh, the anointing, the, the push, the, 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 the presence of yourself. Uh, let them feel conviction. Let them feel hope at the same time. But let them receive you as Lord and Savior. Lord, for my brothers and sisters that are maybe bound in some areas of their lives. And they're not living in total freedom. And they know it. They don't know what to do about it. Maybe they don't know that they can get really free of everything. Lord, bring your spirit, the spirit of the living God, to show them the way. Show them the way. And Father, also now for our loved ones, our our family members, our friends, our co-workers, classmates, people that we love and care about that are not walking with you, they're, they're so bound, and they don't know that they're bound. We pray, Lord, just like with us in the first place, you broke those bondages of sin so that we could see the glory of God and we came we came to you and you met us right where we were at that time 
But Lord, for our loved ones, we pray that the same process would happen, that they would get to a place in their life where they recognize God is leading me out of this. So Lord, move upon them in a very special and powerful way. Thank you, Lord, for your word that tells us that if the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. Lord, may we live in that freedom in these days. to receive Jesus come stand with me if you need to receive Jesus should be, but you're not there and you don't know what to do. Sometimes stepping out in public is actually a blessing because it solidifies what you're thinking. And it probably will encourage somebody else to do the same. So I I don't want to belabor the point, but if anyone needs freedom, I want to pray for you. Thank you. Amen. Okay. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of acceptance. Yes. And uh, will everyone repeat this with me? You, everyone here, repeat it with me. Okay. Praise the Lord. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I'm stained, and I'm hurt, and I'm rebellious, but I know I'm not right. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. He did all of that with me in mind. So today, I open my heart. I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my life. Lord, turn over tables. Turn over my thoughts. Turn over my past. And come into my life. In clean house. I put my faith and my trust in you alone. Save me. And Lord, deliver me. Lord, there may be things in my life I can't stop doing. I need your help to have power and authority and knowledge and commitment to live on the straight and narrow path. So, Lord, I give you my life. I pray that you save me, that you fill me with your Holy Spirit, 
and set me on a course of life that will be pleasing to you and that I will know I'm living up to my potential. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say a prayer for everyone that's up here, and then we're going to say amen. So, Lord, thank you for what just happened. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray, Lord, that when they walk out that door, when the cool air hits their face, they will sense the presence of God. That something broke, something changed in their spiritual lives, and something changed in their mind as well. That they know they're a child of God. Your word says these things, John, these things I've written that they may know, that you may know that you have everlasting life. Lord, let there be a a confidence as they walk out the door that things are okay because you are now the Lord of their lives. So, Lord, we just pray a hedge of protection, uh, the sealing of the Holy Spirit around them. And, uh, Lord, for all of us, let us enjoy this day. Let us enjoy the freedom that you've given us in Christ Jesus. For it's in your name that we pray all these things. And everyone said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. All right, you uh, guys just wait here a minute. Everyone else? Uh, have a time of fellowship. Thank God you bless so you. All right. I think our children are going to be rehearsing for the Christmas play, so it may be a little chaotic for a while, but God bless you. We'll see you tonight at the prayer meeting, 6 o'clock, live stream. God bless you. Amen. I'll be talking to you.